have you ever thought about how you'd like to die? Kind of a morbid question, isn't it? Let me rephrase it. Have you ever thought about how you'd not like to die? For me, there are two things. I do not want to die falling from a very tall building, and I do not want to die falling off a bridge in a vehicle. Those are the two things you can get me with. You know, sometimes we try to make light of death in order to to make it more bearable for us. Perhaps you've heard the morbid joke, I want to die in my sleep, like my grandfather, not like all the other people screaming in his car. Maybe you've heard about the spouse who says, I would never think of divorcing my husband, but I have thought of murder from time to time. Um, I've said to people, when I haven't seen them in a while, I checked the obituaries, didn't see your name there, so figured you were still alive, and they almost always laugh. We try to make death as bearable and as light as possible. But what happens when death doesn't come quite so easily? And the manner of death isn't as easy. My pastor used to say it wasn't the thought of dying that bothered him, but the process of dying, how that was going to take place. Jesus has just been dishonored in his hometown of Nazareth, and John will be executed because of his belief in Jesus as the risen Christ. Herod has placed John in prison. He's been there for 18 months, and now we read the account of what happens to John. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. The king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guest, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl. She brought it to her mother. His disciples came and took the body and buried it. And they went and told Jesus. Herod Antipas was the son of Herod the Great, the one who had slaughtered firstborn male children two years and under in Bethlehem after he'd heard about the birth of Christ. And apparently the apple hadn't fallen very far from the tree because tradition has it that Harold Antipas, who was already married when he went to Rome to visit his half-brother, desired his half-brother's wife, who also just happened to be his half-niece, Herodias. And so he took her unto himself, left his wife, and thereby violated the law, not only by committing adultery, but also by committing incest. And John the Baptist wasn't about to let him get away from it. He said, you have violated the law. You have done that which is not lawful. Herod became very angry and had thrown John in jail because of it. But that somehow wasn't enough. Herod feared the people. He wanted to to make sure he could keep calm, and so he hadn't 
taken John out even though he wanted to, but one day the Bible tells us the daughter of Herodias, the woman with whom he was committing adultery on Herod's birthday, danced before him, some type of sexual innuendo took place, and Herod said, I will give you whatever you want, just ask. She'd already talked to her mother, and her mother said, the head of John the Baptist on a platter, what kind of sick mom asked her daughter to do such a thing? And Herod, in his pride, and in the middle of his court, which he thought he owned, was very sorry, but didn't want to go against his word, commanded it to be done, and the head of John the Baptist was brought on a platter. The indignity of death. You know, some of history's greatest giants have been met with its most insulting demises. Paul, tradition tells us, was beheaded on the Appian Way just outside of Rome. All of the apostles, save John the Beloved, suffered a martyr's death. They were burned. They were crucified. They were tortured. Polycarp, the ancient church father, was burned alive, and when he wouldn't burn enough, they stabbed him with a spear. He said, these 86 years have I served my God, and he has never once failed me. How could I deny him now? Jim Elliott, in this past century, ministering to the Aka Indians who did not know the gospel, speared when he came on board, along with four others. We haven't escaped this. There is something gruesome and horrific about a terrorist group video recording the beheadings of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. In fact, some tell us that more people are actually being martyred today for their faith than in all the previous centuries combined. To think that a teenage girl could dance in front of her mother's adulterous boyfriend and thereby decapitate the very one who Jesus himself says is the greatest one who's ever lived. It simply doesn't seem right. It seems undignified. It doesn't match John's persona. This is the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. This is the one who said, repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He calls out the Pharisees at one point and he says, You brood of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? We read in Hebrews 11 how this is supposed to end. Ready for the angels to sweep down any time, Lord. Those who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Where's the part about stopping the mouths of lions here? And where do we get the idea that death is supposed to be met with dignity? I've been to the Hartford House in Owensboro several times over the last couple of years. It's a wonderful place for those who are getting ready to go on. The care there is great. It's a place where the family can come in and say their goodbyes. And if you can do that, how blessed you are with your loved ones. But you know, we're not guaranteed that kind of death. Walk into a hospital 
walk into a nursing home, see somebody in a vegetative state, and the first thing you'll think is, I hope I don't end up like that. And yet we have this idea that we're supposed to somehow die with our dignity. I'm reminded of what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through when they refused to bow down before Nebuchadnezzar's image. And Nebuchadnezzar was about to throw them into the fiery furnace. He gave them one last chance. And they said, you know this, O king, our Lord is able to save us today. But even if he doesn't, we will still not bow down and worship your gods. That's really where we have to be, isn't it? much as I want to call down the justice and the righteousness and the vengeance of God and the angels of the Lord to do His bidding, God doesn't always give me that privilege. God doesn't always grant me that access. Because as much as I want to fight it, I have to realize this life doesn't belong to me and God is able to do with it exactly what He pleases. Exactly what He wants. Because when I think about the one who gave his life for me, everything changes. Makes it easier when people insult me. Talked with a young man last week, had been having a hard time in school. He had some, some, some physical malformities and things that had just kind of kept him back in his mind. And he said, you know, it's very difficult when I go to school, people make fun of me and they don't even know me. And he says, I try to love them, but it's hard. I just reminded him in as gentle a way as I could, and you know, they made fun of Jesus too. And to think that my Savior suffered the most horrific, gruesome death. Corrie ten Boom, who survived the Nazi Holocaust when she was taken into the concentration camp, was forced to remove her clothes, the indignity of that, and as she was shivering there in the cold and wondering how she could survive all of this, her sister was said to whisper to her, Corey, Corey, they took his clothes too. Talking about Jesus. Know this, whatever shame you are forced to endure, whatever burden you have to face, your shame and your burden will never be as great as the shaming of Jesus. And when I realize that this life doesn't belong to me, I'll do anything if it will give my Savior glory. Paul says, if we live, we live unto the Lord. If we die, we die unto the Lord. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Even if they threaten me with torture and persecution, even if they try to deform me, have this culture body image and body shaming where everybody's trying to look better and so you threaten them with cutting, mutilating their physical appearance and you forget that you house the glory of the living God. You're more beautiful and radiant on the inside than you could ever be by Christ. 
You know, we're facing some challenging times in our country right now. We've talked about that, and I don't think the stakes could be higher, but I'm not just talking about the way that you vote. I think the greatest crisis we face right now is the apathy within the church, and if you want to do something about the mess this nation is in, we need you to be more involved and more engaged in the life of the church and in serving Christ than you have ever been. I hope you'll come to a Sunday school class. I hope you'll serve. I hope you'll get involved when the doors are open. I hope you'll serve Christ each and every day but it's going to cost you something and it may very well cost you your life it'll be worth it see the danger for us today is not that we would end up like John but that you end up like Herod (laughs) Herod knows deep in his heart that the message of John rings true, but he's driven by his own passions and the manipulations of his adulterous wife, so he murders God's anointed servant. Jesus tells the disciples at one point, beware of the leaven of heaven of Herod. He describes them as that fox. But Herod never seems to learn his lesson. Even at the trial of Christ, But somewhere in the back of Herod's mind, he knows what he's hearing is true because he's cautious, because he's sorry. See, Herod doesn't just sin against John. He sins against his conscience. He gets the girl, gets the money, gets the power, gets the fame, gets the renown, and splits hell wide open when he dies. It's the danger for all of us. Far better to die for the cause of Christ than to live for the cause of self. There's coming a time in your life when you're going to have to decide, am I in or am I out? And when that moment comes, when you have to choose between Jesus and self, will you be ready? Oxford, England is the oldest English-speaking university in the known world. And there in Oxford, there's a monument to Thomas Cramner, Hugh Latimer, and Nicholas Ridley, who were all burned because they could not recant. And the spot is not very big. It's just a little spot in the middle of the asphalt road. There's a couple of stones that are there in the place. It's real easy to walk by it. You have all these thousands of tourists who are walking by and no one notices that that's the spot where these guys gave their lives because the Queen of England told them, follow the teachings of the heretical church or you will die. And they said, we cannot deny Christ. There's not a whole lot left of them. There's a monument there today. Those men gave their lives because they believed the gospel was worth dying for. rest of Hebrews 11 describes them well. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in caves and dens of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, 
did not receive what was promised. John tells us in his revelation that at the foot of the throne of God will be his martyrs. Men and women, saints and strangers, pilgrims and puritans, aborted babies, elderly missionaries, believers whose lives have been torn, whose eyes have been gouged, whose tongues have been cut off, whose heads have been removed, whose bodies have been burned, and they are crying out, How long, O Lord? How long? And the voice responds, Until the appointed time. And so we wait. Just before his death, John had heard about what Jesus was doing, and he sent his disciples to question Jesus because it looked like Jesus should have done a few other things to John. And he just had the disciples ask Jesus this question Are you the Christ? Do we seek for another? Jesus said, go and tell John the lame walk, the blind see, the dead are being raised, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And then when those disciples go back and encourage John, Jesus says to the crowd that's gathered, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? Reed shaken by the wind? John is solid as an oak. You go out to see a man dressed in fine clothing? No, those who dress in fine clothing are in king's houses. He said, I tell you that in John the Baptist, there has not been one greater born among women. And yet the person who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. See, John had not yet been glorified. Neither have we. And whatever the world, the flesh, and the devil may do to our bodies, they cannot destroy our souls. So Jesus reminds us that we are to be faithful unto death. For he is the one who will give us the crown of life. God help us to live with such conviction. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.